a lot of the times people will hear, you don't need surgery. You're beautiful the way you are. It's like, okay, but sure. I I want to lose weight and have a fulfilling life and be able to do things I can't right now. Right. Or yeah. I want to put type two diabetes into remission, you know, whatever it might yeah. be. You don't, have to, you don't have to justify it to anyone, right. but people, right. people, people will say, you don't need that. Or you're not big enough yet for that. It's my favorite. Have you ever thought about going to the gym and exercising? <gasps> my God. Wow. Uh, it's like, they think that like, yeah, you just wake up and are like, you know what? And I'd like to lose some also, weight. It also goes back to, again, the stigma that people with obesity face because mm-hmm. It's insulting to my intelligence that you think I haven't thought about diet and exercise. Like uh, it is yes. really, to, to the to the nine year old little girl who is over two hundred yes. pounds who's been fit her whole life. It is insulting right. for you to ask me if I've thought about Weight Watchers. You're listening to the Imperfect PCOS podcast, where we share no BS science backed strategies to put your PCOS into remission. I'm your host Corey Ruth, aka the Women's Dietitian. Let's get into it. Hello, welcome back to the Imperfect PCOS podcast. Today, we are joined by Janie Mills. She is a fellow registered dietitian, and she has had weight loss surgery. After struggling with weight and PCOS throughout her life, she decided to have VSG in 2017. Since then, not only has she lost 112 pounds, but she also supports other bariatric patients in truly understanding nutrition and changing habits for the long run. She is on Instagram at the sleeved dietitian. This will all be linked for you and is the owner and founder of the tribe membership program. Jamie truly understands what it's like to struggle on your weight loss surgery journey and is able to support bariatric bariatric patients in such a unique way, both her credentials and expertise, as well as her own firsthand experience. What an amazing story. I am just, I could not be more thrilled to jump in today and explore this whole concept of weight loss surgery, nutrition. I want I, I really would love to start with welcoming you, Jamie, and getting to know you a little bit better. Welcome to the show. I've I've been looking forward to this day. Uh, Me too. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. I'm so excited to be here. It's funny because I actually never thought I would work with bariatric patients or be in the bariatric space. I always thought I was going to work singularly with PCOS patients. Yeah. So I went into the field of dietetics to support women with PCOS. That was my goal since day one. Um, I know. (laughs) Uh, There was a couple plot twists there, but that was what propelled me to go to school to to be a dietitian. I had struggled with my weight my entire life. Mm -hmm. Um, I had childhood obesity. I was over 200 pounds by the time I was nine. And it was really a struggle because while my mom's side of the family did have weight problems. No one seemed to struggle the way I did. And my little mm-hmm. sister who grew up in the same house as me and we ate the same foods and did the same activities never struggled. Wow. And I, yeah. I always struggled and it never made sense until I was 14. And I had a primary care doctor, pediatric doctor, obviously at the time mm-hmm. who was right. fresh out of, she was fresh out of school. She was very young. And that mm-hmm. was actually to our benefit because she had learned about PCOS before some of the other pediatric oh, doctors had. Isn't yeah, that so, nice? Yeah. Love so that. Even, though it, even though it was traumatic in its own sense to get the diagnosis so young and not understand it, it was so beneficial because, you know, as I've gotten older, I've 
realize so many people don't get that diagnosis until later in life or after seeing multiple doctors. So I was, I was 14 and she started to recognize the symptoms. Mm -hmm. So she sent me and my mom to this, uh, basic, I don't know that it was a study. It was a, it was a clinic that they were doing at Yale New Haven hospital here in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. They had like a PCOS clinic. So I went, it was like, yeah, yeah. It was like an eight hour day. Um, again, slightly traumatizing at 14 years old. I was going to say that's, yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. So we, me and my mom went and it was, um, they did an ultrasound. We saw like literally all of the cysts on my ovaries. Yeah. Like I got to mm-hmm. see it. They did like the glucose test. They did all sorts yeah. of testing that day that I barely remember. I was, you know, 14 years old. Right. And I remember seeing, I remember seeing the dietitian who was not particularly helpful, which I think also inspired me to make experiences hopefully better for others at some yes. point in time. And it was, I remember them saying, well, when you get home from school, a good snack would be eight animal crackers. I'm like, eight animal crackers? Like, it was wow. just not, just like aye, very, aye, like, aye. very old school diety. And also, as yes. you know, that not the most ideal PCOS snack anyways. Have a handful um, of almonds. That's always the, the, girl, the girl diet advice. When you're hungry and you have a craving, have a handful of almonds. I'm like, yes, liter- that, that'll literally. satisfy it, not. So I, I got diagnosed. They put me immediately on birth control and metformin as they normally do. I remember being, and, and then my mom who was trying her best, she truly was brought me to this like holistic naturopathic doctor who Mm -hmm. swore by doing what we know as now keto, but then Atkins doing like a super, super low carb, very low carb, high protein diet. So here I was 14 years old, Mm. incredibly overweight at this point. I wasn't, Mm. I I think I was somewhere around 270 ish pounds. I had joined, I had joined the volleyball team was terrible at it already felt bad about myself because I just wanted to play but I ended up on the bench or taking keeping score the whole time. I remember we would Mm. go and travel for games. And not only I already felt like the odd one out, but then I wasn't allowed to eat anything that other girls would like they'd get McDonald's or whatever. And I would be sitting there literally with my almonds with your animal crackers, your eight animal crackers. Well, at that point, we had nixed the animal crackers because oh. my mom was t- taking me to this doctor, and now Got we it. were keto. Oh, um, right. So animal crackers are a no. So, so that was a no. Um, yes. But and, oh, and it was aye, just aye, really, aye. and and I had horrible side effects from the metformin, which I eventually went off of. Mm. But it was awful. So I felt so outcasted in so many ways, and that was pretty traumatic. And then I was also told from the time I was fourteen well, you're probably not going to be able to have kids. Like you're probably going to really struggle to have kids. So there's a lot of like trauma built up on top. But I will say that that diagnosis, while I remember them telling me like, it's not your fault, like you didn't do anything to cause this. And that was freeing in its own sense. Yes, It gave me almost, I don't know what the right word is, a little bit of a learned helplessness because I didn't bother to try like I should have maybe. And I I was young, but as I got older, I, and I was perpetually dieting diet cycle but what would right. ultimately end up happening is after i would try again i would say why do i even bother i have the, i have pcos i have this thing that i it doesn't matter what i do i can't lose weight so right. i had gotten to a point where i stopped trying and i was really heavy and it was really really hard yeah so i ended up i was in school i was i was in college at this point i was studying english and secondary education mm-hmm. with a minor in art so it was <laughs> right. at all. yes um, plot twist but, plot twist Again. um i started to really I, I remember i got to a point where just walking around campus climbing upstairs to get to class was so uncomfortable and hard on my body yeah. i'm also 
a relatively like small person. Like I'm barely mm-hmm. five four. Like I, oh, I was yeah. carrying a lot of I was carrying right. a lot of weight on, on my on my short stature. Yes. Um, and I remember saying I. I have to at least try. I was like, if I don't at least try to get my health under control, I'm not going mm-hmm. to be able to stop this rapid gain. Like this is not mm-hmm. gonna like like I was scared for my future. At, like night yes. at like 19 years old. Totally. So I started doing what I thought was healthy, which was and it started off as healthy, you mm-hmm. know, eating smaller portions, going sure. to the gym. Eat less, move more. <laughs> right, right. And but it pretty quickly turned from a pretty healthy mindset to a very destructive one Mm -hmm. and a very disordered one Mm -hmm. where I was significantly under eating, over exercising, working, going to school all day, waiting tables all night, going to the gym in between, like not, it was, it was really detrimental. Yep. So I had lost about 70 ish pounds doing that until I really just hit rock bottom. Um, Mm -hmm. just really in the depth of disordered eating. Uh, Mm -hmm. that was when I ended up going to therapy and seeking out help. And it was through that process that I wanted to help other people not have to go what I went through. And this is where I ended up changing my major. I decided to go to school to be a dietitian and I had set out to go to school to be a dietitian because I wanted to have my own private practice where I could help bariatric patients. That was like my goal. I'm sorry, not bariatric. uh, PCOS, yes. Ended up being bariatric patients, but PCOS patients. And it was during my time in my dietetics program that I started to really understand nutrition. I started to actually apply the things I was learning and yet I still just kept gaining. And I felt like no matter what I did, I couldn't get it under control. And it was during my dietetic internship year, because why not do all the hard things at once? I decided I was finally ready to have weight loss surgery. I had regained Mm -hmm. all of those 70 pounds and some, and I, I was tired of fighting so much. I was tired of feeling this need to do it on my own and do it naturally. There was so much shame embedded in this choice. Yes. And and I I want to explore that today. Yeah. Yep. I felt so just ashamed of even like guilty, which is such an odd thing to feel because it's not like you're doing anything wrong, but it felt like I was by I get choosing it. to have weight loss surgery. I get um, it. Mm-hmm. But it ended up being <laughs> the best thing I ever did for myself, for my life. Yes. Um, it's been, and you know, we can talk more about the bariatric journey as a whole if you want to as well, but that's what led me to it. And yes. you know, it did, and this bariatric community really fell into my lap because I had started off I was in my dietetic internship. I didn't tell any of my fellow interns or peers that I was having surgery. I did not want anyone to know it was going to be this. I, I, I wasn't ready to help people, but I felt this need for support. I didn't know anyone else who had had surgery. I felt incredibly isolated and alone. And I ended up on Instagram. I created before it, my Instagram handle was what it is now. It was like this random, like, name. Yeah. Uh, I think it was like my, my middle name or something. And they're just, <laughs> I, I didn't want anyone in like my real life to find me, but I also oh. really wanted support. So I huh. ended up just connecting with other bariatric patients online through the bariatric community on Instagram. And I started cool. just like getting to see other people's journeys and getting inspired. And I yes. started documenting my own journey, but I didn't tell anyone I was in school to be a dietitian. Oh, so wow. once I, yeah, cause I just wanted the support. I didn't want anyone coming to me as an expert cause I didn't see myself as an expert. Right. Honestly. You had that I, um, imposter syndrome going on. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Very, yes, very much so. Um, so I, once I actually passed my exam that summer and was officially a dietitian, I did share with people and I was really scared. I was like, are people going to think I'm a sucky dietitian because I needed surgery? Are people going to think like, I I had all these really big imposter syndrome pieces. So many people were like, oh my God, you're, you're a dietitian. Can you help me? Wow. Like, 
you know what I'm going through. I would love it if you could help yes. me. And people started naturally asking me for help. And that's when I started building, you know, my nutrition practice and my programs and things. And it's just, I mean, it's been a whirlwind ever since then, but yes. I really found my calling because going through the process firsthand, mm-hmm. even though like logically I knew like the nutrition, I knew how to follow the diet, like actually changing my habits and actually going through the mindset shifts and like the emotional hurdles that you go through throughout surgery was just so immense. And I wanted to help other people. So while my passion had started with working with people with PCOS, I still very much get to do that now, but it's in a different sense because I do work with the bariatric population. And Mm -hmm. it's been incredible because I have found my own best friends and the best community ever within the bariatric community because it is such a unique journey that truly can be very isolating if you don't have that sense of community around you. It's so true. It's so true. And I, you know, when you were telling your story leading up to everything, I honestly, like, I like, I'm almost in tears because it's so, um, I'm also in my luteal phase, so I'm giving myself a <laughs> care, but it's so relatable to feel so much guilt and shame, especially, you know, when we're at the doctors for something related to weight and it's just this like taboo topic. And I think it's so refreshing to see somebody like you approaching it the way that you do as, you know, informative, inspiring, fun, even. And I, you know, I, I use that word sparingly when talking about things like exercise and diet, and, but it really, sure. there is a way to approach it in a way that, um, that feels like that. So Kudos to you, everybody who you. is, you know, even thinking about that. I always refer out to you. Um, Thank you. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I think it is so interesting how we fall into these, um, what are, what is now, you know, something we consider to be our calling, but begrudgingly at first, you know, um, right. same thing with PCOS. I said, I'm not going to touch PCOS with a 60 foot pole. It is too complicated <laughs> and never doing that. And then, yeah, like you, the more I thought about it, the more I started realizing, you know what? I am the perfect person because I understand what the the struggle feels like. And that is absolutely priceless. There's a lot of dietitians working in PCOS who, I mean, it's not a bad thing, but they don't have it and they don't know what it is truly like to live in the body of somebody who struggles daily. So it's priceless. It gives you such a different perspective and a different layer of empathy and not to say that people who don't struggle with their weight or PCOS or have had surgery can be empathetic. Of course, there's fantastic dietitians and practitioners, but I, you know, with my own community that I work with, it's one thing to get a binder filled of all the rules of the diet you need to follow on paper. It's another to go home with it and implement it in a way that works for you. Exactly. And that's a totally different, that's a totally different ball game. Yes, it is. Oh my gosh. Yes. hundred percent. I've learned that as a, as a provider. There's no way around it. PCOS is complex and multifaceted. What we know about it, including how best to treat it is constantly changing. That's why I've dedicated my life's work to helping women put their PCOS into remission. Inside my signature program, the PCOS Boss Academy, women lose weight permanently without restriction and master their most stubborn PCOS symptoms. If you're looking to get pregnant or want to be a mom in the future, my ultra-successful Get Pregnant with PCOS program supports moms-to-be every step of the way in conquering PCOS symptoms and bringing home the baby of their dreams. Plus, there's an additional weight loss mode to check into. 
These are all of the science-backed nutrition and lifestyle tweaks you need to improve your PCOS and change your life from a qualified healthcare provider and leading PCOS expert in the field. Ultimately, we are in control of our PCOS, and I would love to work with you inside one of my upcoming programs so you can step into the best version of yourself and start feeling like you again. Tell us a little bit about um, just weight loss surgery. There's different types. If you could just very Mm -hmm. briefly touch on some of the main ones. I, I don't know exactly how many there are, but for somebody who's entering into this space, maybe thinking about it in the kind of question curiosity phase. Sure. So I might miss a few as well, but there's kind of two different categories of weight loss surgery types. So so weight loss surgery is considered a metabolic procedure because when you are altering your anatomy for bariatric surgeries, Mm -hmm. you typically are changing your metabolic makeup because of the hormonal shifts. However, there are there are metabolic versus non-metabolic surgeries. So for example, the um the lap band, the adjustable gastric band, yeah. and the balloon, the gastric balloon are our non-metabolic types because you're not actually altering your anatomy. They are devices. Physically. So, yeah. Okay. Yes. So okay. there's a lot of mixed feelings about those surgeries. Mm-hmm. There are uh there are higher complication rates to my understanding for things okay. like the lap band and yeah. with it slipping, with it not resulting mm-hmm. in the weight loss that you're looking for. Um okay. so are those less the- common, you would say? at this point, but they used to be very common. The reason I bring it up is most people, not most people, a lot of people want those surgeries because they're less permanent. So it's almost like a tiptoe into it. A lot of people are like, well, I just Um, maybe want to do the lap band. Um, So the reason I bring it up is just knowing out the gate that they can have complications and are likely going to be less effective than weight loss. And the gastric balloon is a removable device that only stays in, I believe, six months. So it's basically they put a balloon in your stomach, they inflate it so that it has oh, portion control, months. but then they take wow. it out. I, I believe so. Don't quote me on that. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. Newer procedures. Got so it. those are the those are the ones that are not going to alter your anatomy per se. Okay, so but then we move it. into the metabolic procedures where it does alter your anatomy. So we okay. have the vertical sleeve, the vertical sleeve gastrectomy. That is the one that I have that's known right. as a sleeve or VSG. So yes. with that, you are essentially removing 85% of your stomach. Okay. Wow. That's so, a big, that's a big amount. Mm-hmm. It is a big amount. <laughs> so yes. um, if you picture like your stomach, it kind of looks like a jelly bean. Mm-hmm. It's taking out the like bulbous like fundus portion of it so oh, if you can just okay. picture it it yeah. looks like a banana your your new stomach yeah. almost looks like a banana or like a, okay a very long esophagus it's just kind of straight and narrow oh god so it. Okay. You, re- you remove the 85 percent of it and they stitch it up um mostly it's done laparoscopically okay. um and that one oh, cool. is definitely it's a metabolic procedure as well it changes your hunger hormones and that hormonal makeup in there which is why it can be so effective the one thing with VSG, as opposed to some of the other ones I'm going to mention, is you are not rerouting anything. So you're not rerouting intestines. You're mm. not reconnecting anything. So there's no malabsorptive component to it. So okay. you're n- you're not malabsorb absorbing your your vitamins as you would with something, say, like a gastric bypass. So the Roux and Y gastric bypass is another very common one. You can see how much I forget after going to school for this. It's been so long. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need a refresher. And to be fair, (laughs) I remember learning about it. It's it's like half a textbook page of a couple diagrams. Dive super deep. Um, So (laughs) gastric bypass, and this is where it gets real nitty gritty. And I, unless I'm looking at the diagrams myself, it's hard to explain exactly what they're switching and changing. But for the the ones that are more malabsorptive, you have gastric bypass where they are basically creating a pouch and they are reconnecting where your 
stomach empties in your intestines. There is mm. also a uh, mini gastric bypass, which is done similarly yet different. There is the duodenal switch. And there's also the SADI, which is the modified duodenal switch. So a lot of the times the duodenal switches are also done in staged procedures. So someone who starts at a very high starting weight, let's say someone is closer to 500 pounds, perhaps they might start off having the vertical sleeve gastrectomy okay. where they are, because it's um, still going to be effective to get weight loss off. It is right. less, uh, it, it's less of a risk because you're under the table for less time, like less time under anesthesia. Then maybe yeah. after that first year, they convert you to the duodenal switch because in order to mm -hmm. have the duodenal switch and or the Sadie, you start off with a stomach very similarly to the vertical sleeve gastrectomy. So it's okay. the same like stomach removal, but then they reroute where your intestines are essentially. So okay. that's like a general synopsis. Those are the most common ones. There are others, okay. um, but those are the ones that we do see most often. Okay, thank you for that breakdown. That's really helpful, You're especially... Welcome. I know. I feel like I'm starting at square one since it's been so long <laughs> since okay. I dug into that. Well, bariatrics really is a specialty. We don't yes. learn tons about it in school. And no. unless, you, unless you choose to have a rotation or have a rotation in your dietetic internship or work at a center, these are things that you just don't really learn in, in, in school. Touche. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Thinking back to schooling. Oh, so long ago. <laughs> I know. Um, Thank God. Uh, what are, <laughs> what are, um, what are some misconceptions? Like, what would you say are like, you don't know, I love to do myth busting on my podcast, but obviously oh, not, but like three so big many. that you hear the most often about weight loss surgery. Uh, myth number one is that it is taking the easy way out and or cheating that if you have surgery, you don't actually want to try hard. You don't actually want to put the work in. You're just cheating. That is the biggest myth. And I could talk about that for five hours. If you <laughs> I can YouTube. see, I can hear your voice tone changing. Like that's how I get about these PCOS myths. It's, it's like, oh, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, the other biggest myth is that it is extremely dangerous and mm. There are a lot of people who are strongly against it, particularly, unfortunately, in some of the um, intuitive eating and body positivity spaces. There's a lot of people who are adamantly against bariatric surgery. They will yes. refer to it as a stomach amputation. They will refer to it as being barbaric, which is just really insulting and not true. And it's actually, so if we're looking, so I, I will just say every surgery does come with its risk factor, but in order to of qualify course. for surgery and proceed with it, the benefits have to far out, outweigh the risks. Having weight loss surgery, if we're looking at statistics of uh, surgical complications, uh, risk of death, all of those things, it is far riskier to have your appendix, appendix removed or a hip replacement. Wow. Those are riskier procedures than weight loss oh surgery. Gosh. So my point is, if you're appendix first, you're going to get it taken out, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah so like, this, so, so your, your yeah. vertical sleeve gastrectomy procedure is less of a risk than that. So I would just like to put that into perspective. I love that. Thank you. It sounds like it is this or who has had a loved one have a complication. I'm not minimizing the fact that complications do happen. Sure. It's just not nearly as common as people like to think. Yes. Um, so people will use a lot of scare tactics. Like okay. Yeah. People, people use scare tactics of you're going to do this dangerous barbaric thing just so you can be skinny. And it's like, that's not it at all. And yes. it's not, it's also, I guess this will maybe add like a fourth myth, but it's yeah. also not a cosmetic procedure. It is mm -hmm. a medical procedure and it has right. nothing to do with aesthetics or cosmetics. Um, mm, so that's, that. a, that's a, mis that's a misconception. Mm -hmm. Um, and then lastly, people will say, oh, everyone who has surgery gains all their weight back. Everyone, mm, uh, I have heard I, something along those lines. Yep. 
everyone gains their weight back. No mm-hmm. one actually fails because no one actually tries and therefore right. they just gain their weight back. Um, people, anytime, and I'm pretty sure any person you talk to who has had surgery will tell you this. If whatever, I don't know why. So my mom actually had surgery this last year too. And she's mm-hmm. like, how come every time I tell someone about my surgery, they tell me about their brothers, cousins, uncles, girlfriends, ex-boyfriend who had surgery and gained their way back. And it's true. Someone always feels the need to tell you some horror story about how someone they know gained all their weight back. But the thing is, Mm -hmm. that's probably not true either. Because when you have surgery, it's unlikely you stay at your lowest. Most people do gain a bit of weight back. And I can talk more about why that is if you want. Sure. But that doesn't mean they gained all their weight back. and and, And there's a high likelihood that they are far healthier now, even with a little bit of regain than they were 120, yes. 200 pounds ago. So it's so true. It's, it just perpetuates the stigma and the misconceptions. And mm-hmm. so many bariatric patients are faced with so much shame and hate from others. Honestly, all you have to do is go on Instagram and find one of our fellow bariatric influencer pages with a transformation picture and see the horrendous things that are said in the comments. Oh my gosh. Of, oh, that breaks my heart. Again, my luteal so many vibes. People, I'm like, I didn't cry. That's just so wrong. I... Ah. they'll say oh you're actually proud of that why would you be proud you cheated or oh i thought you did this naturally you just had surgery so why are you like people just say awful things and they dismiss everything you've been through Mm -hmm. um and again the misconception that it's easy weight loss surgery is effective it's actually the most effective treatment we currently have for treating severe obesity Mm -hmm. it is effective but that doesn't make it easy and just because you're getting weight loss results doesn't mean it comes without effort or it comes without changing habits that is essential no matter which route you go for for tackling weight loss habits are you're never going to take that off the table but then it also kind of begs the question too though why are people so mad about it not being so hard for us why Mm. do they want to see us struggling why do they want to see really good reflective because it it, what and that kind of goes back to some of the weight stigma and weight bias that our society has like why why does why does it bother you right i was let's play devil's advocate let's just pretend it wasn't hard it was but let's just pretend it wasn't why why does that bother you that i was able to have a fighting chance at my life why why is it why is it insulting to you that i was given this opportunity so these are the things that bariatric Mm -hmm. patients unfortunately are faced with every single day Mm -hmm. and a lot of the times it comes from their own family their own friends who don't even realize that they are perpetuating the shame too a lot of the times people will hear you don't need surgery you're beautiful the way you are it's like okay but I I want to lose weight and have a fulfilling life and be able to do things I can't right now or I want I want to put you know type 2 diabetes into remission you know whatever it might be you don't you don't have to justify it to anyone but people people, people will say you don't need that or you're not big enough yet for that just are people my favorite have you ever thought about going to the gym and exercising (gasps) my god Wow. Ah, it's like they think that like, yeah, you just wake up and are like, you know what? It, I'd like to lose some also, weight. It also goes back to, again, the stigma that people with obese, obesity face because mm-hmm. it's insulting to my intelligence that you think I haven't thought about diet and exercise. Like uh, it is yes. really, to, to, the, to the nine-year-old little girl who is over 200 yes. pounds who's been fit her whole life, it is insulting right. for you to ask me if I've, consi- if I've, if I've thought about Weight Watchers. 
Yeah. Oh, mm, interesting. It's like the just relax with people dealing with infertility, you know, have you thought about adopting? I can liken, you know, so many things here, you know, but I, I can't imagine how that feels to be on the receiving end. And, you know, for a lot of us add PCOS on top of that. So many of us do, do choose surgery because we have been told, you know, and you you and I can have a productive conversation around this too, but you know, to increase our odds of conceiving by getting some of this weight off and improving our health. And so many women embark on this bariatric journey so that they can do just that. And then to be faced with even more shame from both angles is really, really shitty. Totally shit-tastic. And that's another reason why I freaking love your work because you are helping to illuminate the realities of this. And, And really, you know, I think the, the glass half full in me, you know, type of person wants to say, you know, these people don't always just like with the infertility probing, you know, I've been down that road. Um, they're not always meaning some people are, of course, but, you know, to, to come off that way when they ask that they just don't understand, you know, and I think that it's, it's educating them on these things that can really shape the future of how, this procedure is viewed, how it's received. And, you know, I think it is, it is important to keep asking those questions. Why are people, you know, um, wanting us to struggle? I think that's such a powerful question. Um, And it's, you know, I think we all have our own thoughts and feelings on this, Mm -hmm. but the fact is obesity is a disease and it's one of the only diseases Mm -hmm. that we view as a moral failing than the disease that it actually is. Yes, And it's, it's viewed as as it's, it's, it's your fault that you don't care enough. It's your fault that you're lazy. It's your fault that you don't, you don't work hard enough. And it's very harmful because I don't know about you, but I don't know of many other disease states where we would shame someone for seeking help. Um, addiction. (laughs) I think addiction is the other one that comes to mind. Um, alcohol and drug addiction, I think similar. Yeah. And it's and interestingly enough, yeah. um, bariatric patients are at very high risk for transfer addiction. There is debate over whether food addiction is a true addiction or not. Oh yes, but but addict yeah, but that's a whole um, mm. nu- nuanced conversation within our own community too. Totally, I can I can see that. Oh my gosh, yes. Um, there's so much to unpack here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think about this easy way out. <laughs> myth. And I think about it just, you know, in terms of like something, I'm just trying to relate it, you know, obviously I have not had weight loss surgery, but I have struggled and I will always struggle, you know, with my weight. I I hate when I get comments on Instagram, well, you're thin, you don't get it. Okay. Let's unpack that. (laughs) Um, So long ago, uh, not too long ago, you know, and it's a daily, it's a journey. It's not, you reach a destination and then you're good to go. It's every day is thinking consciously, you know, what maintenance, the maintenance piece. And that's the other thing with obesity being a disease is once you, you know, yes, overcome it or don't have it anymore in order to keep it that way. It's something you're going to live with your whole life. And believe it or not, I've gotten similar comments too, of like, well, you just don't understand. I'm like, I don't understand. I don't. I I know. Right. (laughs) I know. Yes, I know. And I give, (laughs) I give them grace, you know, I think, okay, well, clearly you haven't been here long enough. 
but yeah, you know, thinking about even just similarities to other, other things like, um, when I chose to formula feed my son, so many questions, why, you know, even when I, when I got to, um, the delivery room and I was literally getting like hooked up to my saline and the nurse was like, are you planning on breastfeeding? And I said, no. And she said, I kid you not. She said, why it's the healthiest option. I'm like, Oh my God, it is 2023. Are we not past that? And she went into a spiel. I was so hormonal, obviously like ready to go into labor. I was just about to like hit her. If I had a frying pan, it would have just, anyway, um, (laughs) I was shocked and it's, it's the same thing. Like I chose it for my mental health purposes because breastfeeding is a full-time freaking job. And it's, it's like, why do you want me to struggle? To- I know well, it's the same thing. Like, what's why? healiest for, for, for you, yes. for your baby, for any person is what yes. is going to keep you healthiest mentally, physically, and yes. emotionally. And right. it's wild because my, my little yes. sister is, uh, having her first baby this Aww. month, yeah. I, I get to be an aunt and I'm super yeah. excited, but she told me recently, um, and she works, mm-hmm. she's a hairdresser. She works with the public all the time. Yes. And she said, she goes, you know, it's really wild to me because I never thought people said things said anything but congratulations to pregnant women she's like the uh-huh. comments I've been faced she's like uh-huh. the amount of like and even like comments on like her weight like she's yes. one of her clients oh, like yeah. oh yeah I'm, pre- I'm a pre-. she was I'm pregnant in case you couldn't tell I was like kind of like showing her bump she goes yeah your face does look puffy who says that like the the the, the and she's like the amount of and she said the amount of pressure she's gotten from strangers telling her you should really breastfeed and she's like people ask yes. me if I'm going to breastfeed yes and then they set it up because if I say no, it's going to be a horrified response of why mm. and why is it anybody's business? You know, and again, it just it's it also goes back to what is healthy for one person is not always healthy for another. And yes. this is where I I know I, I think most dietitians will advocate for this, yes. but patient centered care yes. is the most important thing. Totally, you know, your your nurse mm. never should have shamed you for that or made you right. weigh your options. Like, right, it's wild. Yes, I know. I think you know in life anything we do, you know, we're damned if we do, we're damned if we don't. So do yep. do whatever is going to work for you. <laughs> yep. Bottom line, like in all facets of of life. Um. So if someone is thinking, you know, and and I do want to just go back to this concept that we just talked about in terms of, you know, taking the easy way out just really quickly. I I, I just want to reiterate, nobody wakes up and says, I'm ready to lose weight. And then the next day books a consult for weight loss surgery. You are, you have tried all the things, right? So not only have you tried all the things in order to to qualify in the United States for your insurance cover, you have to prove you've tried all the things. You have to prove it on paper that you did this diet this year and this, that year. It is, it's like the process just to get approved for surgery is wild. So the the fact that people think, you know what? Yeah, let's, let's just go, let's just go do that today. Yeah. Yeah. It does not happen at all ever. Never. (laughs) No, I know. I know. It's so true. It's so true. I I had a, I was working with someone um, who was, she actually did have her surgery. Like I want to say two months, three months ago, um, and she was, I mean, you would have thought she was a dietitian, Jamie, like she was counting her, ca- or her carbs, her calories. She was like, okay, I'm ordering this to get my carbs here. She has PCOS as well. Shocker. Um, and she was, you know, waiting for her surgery. And I was, you know, I had several appointments with, for my hair with her and she just kind of, you know, she was just kind of walking me through her journey and, um, you would have thought she was an RD because of how well, much she knew about 
nutrition and, and it, and, you know, it's, we have this misunderstanding that people, like you said, just, you know, wake up and just decide, Oh, I'm going to take the easy route and not learn a thing opposite. Well, also people who struggle with their weight, who have been on diet since they were nine years old, like myself, right. why it's so insulting when someone yes. says, have you thought about dieting? It's like, I could read you the calorie on every single, I like, I know. And, and yeah. that, you know, that does borderline like disordered thoughts. But when you, it's been beaten into your head to portion yeah. things and to count this and to count that, uh-huh. it, it's insulting to assume that just because someone struggles with their weight, that they yeah. don't know these things. It's like, yeah. again, genius idea. Why did yeah. I think of that? Wow. <laughs> Thank you so much, sir. <laughs> um, or ma'am, whatever. Um, so what are like some, like, what are some tips that you give typically for somebody who is going to get the surgery done? And they're like a little anxious about like post-op, like, are there specific things that I know there are, you know, very, you know, there are guidelines as far as how to handle recovery. And I don't know, I just wanted to ask this question because I just think it, it might, you know, ease somebody's mind who's thinking about doing this. And, um, I know there can be anxiety about surgery. Totally. So so surgery itself, I was terrified of, I had never had a surgery in my life up until that point. Um, so remember, you're not going to go under the knife and have surgery unless it is your surgeon is fully confident that the benefits outweigh any risk. They would not let you put yourself in harm's way. Um, most of these surgeries at this point are done laparoscopically. So the healing time is relatively smooth. Um, it's, you know, you might have a little bit of pain or tenderness where they like, go in through like the stomach muscle sure. for like that kind of thing. But usually recovery time is like one to two weeks of, okay. of just like kind of laying low and taking yeah. it easy. The, <laughs> the hard part isn't the surgery. The hard part is the lifestyle that comes after. But yeah. what I tell everyone is you can do hard things. And that's been my motto. And mm-hmm. the best thing that you can do if you're embarking on this journey is to get support find a support group or, or, you know, accountability system. Or work with you. Just going to throw that out there. Well, if if you need a place. Seamless plug. You let me know. I know. I know a guy. Hell yeah. But but, no, it's something that I really advocate for because accountability is huge um, and learning to change the habits. The other thing I will say is as hard as it is, your post-op diet prescribed to you by your surgeon is not a suggestion. It is not optional. Mm. So many people okay. have surgery um, and come out saying, well, you know, I'm feeling better and I'm losing weight now. So I'm going mm. to intuitively eat. I don't really need to be that restrictive. It's not meant to be restrictive right. from a fad diet standpoint. It's, yes, yes, yes. Not. It, it's a time and place. I say this all the time. All foods can fit, just not all the time. And in that first year post-op, you are healing. You're needs of getting your protein in are so important. And because your portions are so small, the majority of your intake is going to be protein. Oh, okay. It's not, it's not super fun. <laughs> it's not, yeah. you don't get to, well, you know, it, it's you know, it is sense, what it is. Yeah. Gotta get is, that in. But over, but over time that it's, it's a short lived period because over time, as you're able to eat more, you slowly start to integrate things back in until you're back to that balanced plate approach where all foods can fit. It just takes some time. It takes some time. So I remind everyone that that is temporary. Mm -hmm. And it is not because we want you to feel like you are restricted forever. It's just for your needs and to avoid protein calorie malnutrition. Mm -hmm. We need to make sure you're getting your your protein in. So I always tell people it's not optional. And this is where you know, this is where it's 
it, it is hard in the beginning, but just know that that is short lived and eventually you will be able to eat all the things again, unless yeah. there are certain things that make you, maybe you don't feel good after eating it anymore. Right. But right. also I tell people, we don't want to, some people do like to test the waters. They're like, I know I'm not supposed to have this yet, but I want to see <laughs> if it makes me like, I want, don't do it guys. Unless <laughs> you really miss something, don't add it in because this is the only period of your post-op life where you are going to be able to emotionally distance yourself from those trigger foods mm. and really work on the mindset oh, of things yeah. and be able to be faced with having to learn new coping mechanisms without leaning on food. And sometimes hmm. you don't realize how much you need that until it's yes. not there. Oh so my when, God, yes. So, so it's an opportunity for you to get to know yourself. It's an opportunity for you to go to therapy. I want everyone that are going to therapy to yes. really work. So when you are stressed and all you want is the popcorn or all you right. want is what we call slider foods in the bariatric community, those um, yeah. highly refined carbohydrates that we can just eat a lot more of um, right. despite our, Chips, our surgeries. Um, crackers, it, popcorn, you, you can't. Yeah you can't heal in the same space that made you sick. And if those were the foods that we were mm. struggling with beforehand, we need to figure out why that is before we re-enter them. Cause otherwise you might not be propelled to learn those new coping mechanisms. If mm. you're someone who, who needs to do so. And again, everyone's situation is different. Not everyone sure. has an emotional issue with food. However, the majority of us who end up in a place where we do need surgery do have our own um, sure. emotional eating component there. It just is very right. common. So right. I encourage you to utilize that time and space before things get overly complicated with adding things back in. And, you know, it's pretty regimented. Use mm -hmm. that time to get the support. Use that time to work on your mindset. Use that time to work in therapy so that once you are hopefully working with a therapist and dietitian, I encourage everyone to do so when integrating foods back in because carbs are not bad and we should not eliminate them long-term. And it has nothing to do with the good and bad foods. It simply right. has to do with getting your needs met and learning these new habits. Once you do that, you should be able to add foods back in and have that balanced plate and feel really confident in your food choices, but it's a process and we have to go through those phases. I love that. I love looking at it like that. It's an opportunity versus like, this is uh, the worst going to be the worst year, the most restrictive year. And let me tell you at 34 years old, man, a year goes by so fast. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden oh, you're yeah. going to be like eating all the things. Um, yeah. what about, uh, what are some common side effects of weight loss surgery? The one that I've heard about is hair loss just because it's a surgery. It's a, you know, weight loss. Like, is that a thing? Like, what are, are there yep. any others? Okay. So are you asking some of the maybe more negative like side effects? Um, yeah. Like if someone's like weighing pros and cons, right? Like what are some gotcha. things that they could look at as potentially like, Oh, okay. That's something to be aware of. Um, and something that I might have to face. So yeah. there are certainly consequences to mm -hmm. not following that post-op diet. We also have to take um, their, uh, bariatric formulated vitamins lifelong. That is very important oh, okay. um, to make sure that you're getting your needs met. Not only, so the two biggest things that I hear that people are like, I, I really want to do surgery, but I, right. I don't want to lose my hair and I mm. don't want loose skin. Those are oh, the two biggest right. ones. Yes. The two two biggest sure. ones, which I have sure. a couple of things to say say about that. But yeah. my my when it comes to the hair loss, it is common. And the reason it is common is because you're in a, a caloric deficit and your mm -hmm. body needs to use its vitamin stores mm -hmm. for its most essential functions. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. hair is usually the first to go. Hair and nails. However, yeah. However, what I tell people is if you are very consistent with both your protein intake, again, we have to follow that diet for a reason. If you are yes. consistent with your protein intake, following that post-up diet and taking mm -hmm. your vitamins, it yeah. will grow back. Yes. <laughs> it will. So yes. it is a short-lived phase where, yeah, you're going to see some hair loss. Your body's okay. kind of like freaking out because it doesn't know what to do with like being yeah. in such a deficit and, and utilizing those, those vitamin stores. Yes. Um, so yes, take your vitamins, take, get your protein in, your it, protein. it will grow back. Okay. Um, and some of the other consequences, though, if we don't take it is 
one, if we're not taking our vitamins, not hitting our protein goals, the the two things that can come into play is your hair might not grow back. Uh-huh. You could potentially end up with a protein, uh, you could end up with protein calorie uh, malnutrition, and you could potentially end up with, uh, I was going to say malnutrition, that's not the right word, um, nutrient de- deficits. You could okay. end up with- Nutrient um, deficiencies. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. With my yes. smart diet. <laughs> um, basically, you, you don't want to have low iron. You don't want to have low vitamin D. You don't want to have right. like have have um, nutrient deficiencies. Thank you. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but, yes. Um, totally. So, Makes sense. So we want to make sure that we're consistent with those things. Vitamins. Which yeah. Which is again one of the reasons getting support and being diligent with your habits yeah. in that first year is essential. So you get these things under your belt because it's right. a long term commitment. Yes. Um, okay. So those are two biggest things. The other thing is people are always afraid of loose skin. Yeah. Um, and I get it. I have had three rounds right. of plastic surgery to get rid of loose skin. So mm-hmm. I, I get it. And that's yep. been its own journey. Happen. Yeah. But when I think back to myself weighing the pros and cons and sitting there at my unhealthiest, my heaviest, my right. saddest. Yes. And I would tell myself these things of, well, because one of the only things in my life that made me feel beautiful was my hair. That was one of the, so when I started to lose my hair, when I tell you I was devastated, oh, I was like curled up in a ball. Girl, yeah. Mm. So mm-hmm. that, cause I used to hide behind it. I used to, you know, that, yeah, that, was, hair, yeah. that was my identity. That was the one thing my whole life people would tell me was beautiful about me was mm-hmm. my hair. So yes. losing that was really yes. hard. And right. then the loose skin. And I can remember sitting there going, I really want to do surgery, but I, I don't want the loose skin. Like I, but looking back, I'm like, that was so silly. And it was more of a defense because I was scared. Yes. I was scared of what Fear. actually happened. If, I was scared of what would actually happen if I did it, if I actually succeeded, if I actually realized my worth and put my health first. Totally. Um, and one of the things, I, and I'll ask people very honestly, and it's not meant to be facetious in any way, but people will come to me and say, Jamie, I really want to have surgery, but I don't want to have loose skin. And I'll say, okay, I want you to just close your eyes for a minute. And I want you to imagine your life a year from now. We're going to pretend that you are at the mm. healthiest weight you can imagine. You are all of your labs are normal. You are going on hikes and traveling without having to ask for a seatbelt extender and you're able to keep up with your friends or play with your kids, but you do have loose skin. So sometimes you have to wear compression leggings and or, or, or whatever. Yeah. Is that the worst thing ever? And usually the answer is no. Right. It's usually not. It's usually, it's just pinpointing something else that mm-hmm. because we're true we're afraid and yes. a lot of us are afraid of what will happen if we don't actually do it and this was a really like big moment for me in therapy yes. um when my therapist had asked me one day when i was in my first year out and i was pretty close to what my lowest previously had been and um she said she's like jamie who would you be if you weren't the girl who had to lose weight anymore because you, you did it what if you didn't mm. what if that wasn't your identity anymore mm-hmm. and i I broke into tears, like oh, burst into tears because yeah. I did not know who I was. <gasps> yes. I had been trying to lose weight since I was literally eight years wow. old. I did not know who I was as a person if I did not have to lose weight. So when she said, who would you be if you didn't have to be the girl who has to lose weight anymore? I was like, I, 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 I literally, I, I don't know. I oh, do not know. Wow, so yeah. part of this journey, part of this journey for me has also been discovering who the heck I am outside right. being the girl who has to prove herself. And again, this is getting kind of deep, but it's really easy to cover all that ick up by saying, I don't, I don't want loose skin. Yes. There's a lot underneath right. there. Totally. Usually we're afraid. And again, I can't speak for everyone. Everyone's situation is different. And is right. loose skin fun? No. It's right. Not is hair fun loss to have fun? Skin. No. No. Yes. <laughs> but what's the alternative? And I think where yep. in the heck would I be 
where would I be if I didn't make that plunge? It was actually, um, mm. I'm putting together. So yes. I hope it doesn't sound like a shameless plug. It's not meant to, but I do, no. I do have a book coming out and I'm Yay, creating, I know I'm so excited. I, I'm creating yeah. some supplemental resources to go along with the book. And today I dug up a video. I have very few videos of me early on, but I had a video mm -hmm. that I filmed nice. of myself the first time documenting my journey. Oh, cool. When I got, I got my approval letter for surgery and my surgery day. And I basically nice. was talking about how scared I was. And I was like, we'll, we'll see what happens. And then I kind of filmed the, like, oh, this is what happens. That's so and cool. It's, and it's, it's been very surreal. It's like, what if I didn't take that plunge? What if right. I didn't do this? What if I never, what if I was, what if I was too scared? Yeah. Or what if I never was able to admit that I deserved more? Yeah. Because people can pinpoint it on, well, you just want to be skinny or you just don't want to try hard. Like all the, all the things, but that's all not things. true. What we want is to be healthy and to not be judged yeah. and to not be shamed and to not feel trapped in our body. Yeah, it's, it's been free. so wild to not feel trapped in my body. Right. And to be able to fit into the world, like I said, being able to travel and not need a seatbelt extender, to be able to walk on a plane and not have to like shimmy between the aisles because I can't fit. Like right. little things that people don't think of is right. If you I haven't like that, right? I I am a Disney adult through and through. I love the fact that I can go. The fact that I, yes, that's, no. that's my <laughs> I you take my kids. I'm I, like I don't want to go <laughs> any day. I will take them any day. Um, <laughs> okay, for the record, kids usually love me because I've got pink hair and my Elsa tattoo. Yes. Like I wait. I, you I, haven't I, stop. You have an Elsa. Stop it. Okay, my daughter is literally obsessed. I. I have to tell her about that after this episode. Are She's going to be like, no, I want to see. <laughs> I am, I am like a oh, four-year-old's like, I, I love anyway. it. Yes. <laughs> My point is yes. I, I get to go and travel and I yeah. can go to Disney World and I can walk right. around all day and not have to stop and sit. I can sit on the rides and yes. my day is not consumed with thoughts of food of what I will and won't eat anymore. Mm, and yes. it's because I'm set in my routine and my habits and it's been right. really life-changing. So yeah, it's about the weight, but it's also not about the weight. It's yeah. about being able right. to live freely. And I think that's the thing people yes. don't see, which is why, it's, again, so insulting when people make it sound like we don't deserve that opportunity in life because we cheated. Oh, yes. Gosh, that's just so that's powerful, really. And you'll take, what was that? What's that saying? You'll miss 100% of the shots you don't take, Jimmy. So, um, yes, you correct. <laughs> You got to go for it. Um, and I think if anyone listening to this now is like on the fence or considering it, um, I think this is the, you know, the stepping stone that that is needed to consider this as a life changing opportunity and something that can be so incredibly freeing. God, we've, co we've covered so much good stuff today. I, I really want to wrap up with, I, you know, you mentioned a book, you have... I, I want you to to tell listeners and viewers how you work with clients, how they can find you, you know, what resources you have and, you know, anything that you're like just super jazzed on right now in the moment, uh, anything you can think of, because I, again, sure. like, I want others to know that you exist and, and what you have to offer. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank, thank you so much. And thank you for giving me the yeah. opportunity to share. So Tips. I, the, the, the main program that I offer at this point in time and the way I work with clients is through my membership program. It's okay. called the tribe and it's an acronym that stands for the real insights of bariatric eating. Oh, this program is, okay. yeah, yep. This program is basically your one-stop shop for all the support and resources you could ever want on your journey. And I say that truly because it's 
everything I wish I had had. I was going to say, did you create what you would have wanted? Okay, cool. (laughs) Yeah. So basically you log in and there are dozens and dozens of modules, which is me teaching and Mm -hmm. giving you information on all things nutrition related, bariatric related. We have hundreds of recipes. We have workout videos created by NASA certified bariatric trainers. We have our community section. um, And then it's, I basically have every teaching you could probably ever want in there. Um, as far as, but the, I think the best feature of the tribe is that we have grown to the point where many people have said like, we need the support. So the more I, my motto is kind of asking you shall receive. So at this point in time, in addition to all of those self-paced modules, we have a live calendar every month. So every month mm-hmm. we have a new theme, a new topic, or a new challenge of some kind. And cool. we have anywhere from 40 to 45 live support groups every single month. And wow, they are amazing. Yep, they are led. Um, I, do, I, I do some of the live Q&As and some of the workshops and guest expert calls. And then I yes. have a team of 18 different uh, tribe leaders. They are incredible, incredible humans. Oh they my gosh. Are, so they're people in the group that are... So, Yep. So they are, they, they are our oh, leaders nice. and all of them, except for two have had weight loss surgery and are okay. professionals in some aspects. So the two who have not are dietitians who have not had surgery. Okay, cool. Um, but, but the, the other 16, um, mm-hmm. we have a psychologist, therapist, social worker, doctor of physical therapy. Um, wow. we, have, uh, uh, we have so many people who have had surgery and do have these unique credentials. We have a registered nurse, we have a physician, and they have had surgery too. And they lead very niche topics and support groups. So we have pre-op, regain support groups, newly post-op mm-hmm. support groups. We have support groups for those who are also on GLP-1 medications with our physician. We yes. have support groups. One of our leaders, she is a DEI expert and author, and she is neurodivergent. And she leads our habit planning group for people who are neurodivergent after surgery. So if you are on the autism spectrum or have wow, ADHD. that is niche. That is so cool. And as we have grown, we've been able to do incredibly niche topics. We have yes. our mama support group for bariatric nice. moms little kids at home. So there is yes. Literally, we have our 50 plus and fabulous support group for our who who are um, in their 50s and older. So we literally have something in there for everyone. And there's literally something every single day. So can I ask a question too? Are there, um, I I just am curious about this is, do you find that more women than men get weight loss surgery or, okay. So So I actually, I talk about this. I was curious. Yeah. Um, I believe, and don't quote me on the statistic off the top of my head, I think less yeah. than all bariatrics, I think less than 20% of all bariatric surgeries are, mm. are men. Okay. Um, so my tribe membership community is primarily women, those who mm-hmm. identify as women and non-gender conforming people. Um, and that is honestly mostly because, well, for starters, I do want to create a really safe space for women and those who identify as women to come and talk about some of these things that they struggle yeah, with. Sure. Um, but also if we just look at statistics, you know, 98% of my audience identifies as female. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard. It's been really challenging yeah. for us to create. There are men right. in the community for sure and some incredibly yeah. inspiring men. Yeah. Um, but it's it's really a, a challenge because they deserve and need support as well. But sure. it's hard to, because we've offered it and it's like, hello, where are you? Yeah. Um, men, so are there any men? Or, or, are there any? But, yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I'm not discrediting anyone who's listening to this who is a man yeah. or identifies as a man. But, um, right. It's just, not as, as common. Sure. Um, but that's that what is it my is. membership. 
that's my membership community. That is the main service I offer. I do also have, um, I just came out with my tackling snacking bariatric course. That one is only $27 and it's a 10 mm. module self-paced course about overcoming snacking after surgery. So that's mm. something else I'm just excited about right now. Cool. Um, Love that. I so have, helpful. And then my book is coming out. It yes. is available to pre it's available to pre-order as of September 1st and awesome. it will officially be out September 16th. Okay. Uh, it is called The Easy Way Out, Why Bariatrics Isn't Cheating Obesity, It's Treating It. And it's all about destigmatizing obesity and uh, talking about all of the things that go into a bariatric journey. And my hope with this book is to get it into hands of people who have had surgery, physicians, yes. to start to bridge the gap between patient and practitioner, mm -hmm. and to start to just really improve bariatric care um, and mm -hmm. obesity wow. care and treatment. Um, I talk a lot about my PCOS journey in there because I do tell it um, a bit mm -hmm. memoir style where I talk about mm -hmm. my own journey, but it's really my hope that all bariatric patients feel seen and heard while reading this. Right. Um, and I do hope this gets into the hands of people who might not realize that surgery is even an option for them to mm -hmm. at least allow them to know that that opportunity exists. Totally. Um, it's obviously it's obviously not the right choice for everyone, but for those who could benefit from it, I want them to at least know about it and, yes. and the opportunities there. Um, so that comes out and so if, cool. You know, if you're looking where to find me, you can follow me at the sleeve dietitian yes. at Instagram or www.thesleevedietitian.com. I have um, you know, you can, if you get on my mailing list, you won't miss any of my updates for the book Perfect. or other things that come out. And I do also have a handful of free resources there too. So awesome. if you go to my website and you go to the free resources tab, I have a whole bunch of like free guides and things for people to get. Super helpful. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Jamie. I Thank you am for having so me. grateful for your time and your wisdom. You are literally changing the world. No pressure. Um, but <laughs> no I can't pressure. wait for you. <laughs> I know. So are you. You're killing it over there. <laughs> um, and I just can't wait to see, um, I can't wait to see your book when it comes out and read it and recommend it, um, and keep recommending everyone, you know, to you, you are just so amazing. So thank you for everything.